This is Old News, a podcast where we take the Old Testament and we apply it to youth ministry. Welcome. Open your Bibles. Hello and welcome back to Old News. It's Tom here and today I'm here with Ruth DeCarbio. How are you going, Ruth? I'm going really well. Thanks, Tom. It's great to have you with me today. Uh, Ruth is uh, someone who has lectured me at college before and someone who I've learned a whole bunch from, uh, particularly around kind of pastoral thoughtfulness. Uh, Ruth, I was wondering, could you tell us a bit about yourself and your background? Sure. I work at YouthWorks College. Uh, I teach in church history and also sexuality and identity and evangelism and other bits and pieces. I'm married to an Anglican minister who works in Sydney in the inner west and I've got three teenage children. Yeah, awesome. So um, kind of hanging around lecturing in some pretty interesting and and different subjects at times at at YouthWorks College. Uh, What kind of experience have you had in the past with youth ministry? I have run a youth ministry back when I was sort of training at college. Not a particularly successful youth ministry. Um, what I Actually, what I really, really love is young adults. Mm. Uh, so I teach young adults here at, at YouthWorks College and I was involved in university ministry uh, before I came to YouthWorks College. I, uh, now that I have teenagers, I feel like I really love connecting with that age group now. And, and particularly youth leaders. Mm-hmm. So I do spend a lot of time at church sort of sort of mentoring, getting to know the youth leaders. And I went along to youth camp for the first time <laughs> a couple of weekends ago. That was really, really fun. Yeah, cool. So um, not heaps of kind of face-to-face youth men, but a lot of preparing other people for youth ministry and mentoring them through that, which is such an important thing. Uh, where has this kind of passion for youth ministry and your work within it come from? I think it came from doing student ministry, so being a student um, myself at university and getting involved in the Christian group there and being able to lead Bible studies and meet with people one-to-one. I think I I love that age group. I just love it that they're so thoughtful, um, that they're able to really deeply reflect on their life and their goals and values and what life is all about and they're making big decisions Um, so it's a really formational time of life so I feel like you can have a huge impact on a young person Um, and bringing back to sort of church history we know from history that uh, you know young people are much more open to become Christians than than adults are Um, 80% of people become Christians before the age of 18 so I think my passion comes from the opportunity that's there and yeah, they're just really fun too. I love hanging out with them. Yeah, awesome. And then kind of within that, I guess the question I always ask people, uh, what do you love about the Old Testament and it's kind of, it, and that's interaction with youth ministry? You know, I guess the Old Testament, in, when you're teaching Sunday school age kids, you're using it all the time. Yeah. I haven't really experienced using it much in youth ministry. Um, I think we tend to move towards the New Testament and I I think I agree with you that this is a bit of a, a weakness mm. um, so my my own engagement with the Old Testament what why I love it and why I think teenagers should love it as well 
is because I really I feel like there's people there you can really empathise with, real people, and they're engaging with the real God. Um, there's this pattern of human frailty and sin, mm. uh, but again and again, God's intervention, um, God being gracious, God saving his people. Um, I think it's something that teenagers could actually really relate to those people in the Old Testament and come to a great understanding of their God and a great understanding of the gospel. So it'd be awesome if we did it more. Yeah, awesome. Well, how about we start having a think about the book, uh, Ruth, that we're going to be looking at today. So today we're looking at the book of Ruth. Um, yeah, Ruth, I thought I'd ask you, uh, what do you think of this book and, and what kind of what experience have you had with it recently? I really love this book. Uh, I remember leading Bible studies on it with uni students a long time ago. And uh, I think I loved it because it's, well, it's a love story. And everyone loves a good love story. Uh, very beautiful poetry mm. it's it's written in a beautiful way uh, i love it that it's a story of redemption sort of the moving from despair um to hope uh from you know from being in the midst of persecution and suffering to this great ending which is full of joy and mm. thankfulness to god and i also love it that a woman is the hero so ruth is a fantastic character she's obviously the hero of the story um and that's really nice as a woman as well. Mm. Yeah, because it's kind of an interesting moment in, I guess, the narrative. So we just hit Judges and then suddenly we have Ruth sandwiched in between Judges and 1 Samuel. Mm. Um, yeah, what, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think, it, I think it's really interesting too. Um, especially because the, the book of Judges, it's all about, you know, all these important rulers over Israel. Um, but there's no, it, it sort of focuses on the, the, the leader of the nation, the focus on the big man. Um, but the story of Ruth is about one little family, so it zooms in um, on one little family. They're a very significant poor family, like they're kind of beggars. Um, so we're not so interested in the big people anymore, we're interested in the little people. That's really interesting. And I think also the situation in Israel is that it's all quite, uh, they're in a dire situation. There's a lot of, there's a famine. Um, at the book of, end of the book of Judges, we, we hear that there's no, there's no king in Israel mm. and everyone did as he saw fit. Um, so we kind of presume that God is judging Israel, that there's this big famine and Ruth and her family has been caught up with this family as well. So it sort of sets the context mm. of the Book of Ruth. Yeah, I think that's really uh, helpful. And I think it's also a nice change of pace. So I, I like the yeah, fact true. that in our Christian Bibles, we've, we've put Ruth in there and that we've kind of had these two books full of history and now we've got a bit more of a, I guess it's a narrative story that we yeah, can get around. Yeah, and very and personal. It's, it's a personal story, isn't it? Not, yeah, not. and it's a nice story, which coming off the back of Judges is yeah, a nice change of pace. Visual. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's really cool. And um, yeah, well, I'm excited to think Just about it. Just as a side it. note, do you think we should do the Book of Judges with the teenagers? 
Um, yeah, I think... Um, it's pretty violent sometimes. Yeah, I, I really like um, judges, but I think when... I've been thinking about what, what we do in an episode for judges purely because it was a book that really rocked me the first time I ever read it mm, as a teenager. Right. So yeah, that would be another an interesting one to think about. Yeah, yeah so now as we look at the, the text itself, uh, we'd kind of, yeah, I guess kind of both went along the same lines of thinking that we, we'd go with the usual and split it up into four different uh, chapters as we go through. You could probably uh, separate it even more into smaller chunks, but uh, the narrative flows really well uh, in the, the four chapters that have been uh, set for us. And, and the first chapter is, yeah, the, the, the sad and, and difficult part of the story at the beginning where uh, if we see a family have moved away uh, from their, their country uh, to find in, in search of food and, and there's a horrible famine. And then as they've gone about this, this search, uh, the, the security essentially has then gone in that the men of the family have all passed away, leaving the women uh, behind. Uh, and so we have this situation where Naomi, who uh, had sons uh, and now has two, two daughters-in-law, has been left without her cultural protection. She doesn't have her security anymore. Uh, and so she, uh, yeah, despairs and is plans to head back uh, to Israel. Uh, and as part of that, she decides that she will allow her her two daughters-in-law to, well, I guess what we expected, uh, allows them to return back to their previous families, but they can find that security as she kind of accepts the life that is ahead of her uh, and accepts the, the difficulties that she now faces uh, being older and, and not necessarily being able to marry again and, and refine that security. And then within this, we're at this moment where you'd expect uh, our, the two, two daughter-in-laws, we have Orpah and, and Ruth, um, we would expect both of them to then just go on their way, and Orpah does that, and that's completely normal and, and fine. And then Ruth does something which is really countercultural. Uh, she does something we wouldn't expect her to do, uh, but she she turns to Naomi. We have this kind of awesome image of clinging to her, and then she makes a makes a covenant with her, saying that she will stay with her, uh, that she is not going to leave, that uh, her gods uh, will become uh, her gods, and and that wherever she goes. Uh, she'll go with her and stay with her and live with her. And even though Naomi's kind of pushing her away, we see Ruth's determination to stand by her mother-in-law and care for her uh, and take a risk. Uh, that Ruth is taking uh, a risk where she herself may not find security uh, being a as a widow and as she heads back uh, into Israel. It's a really, I guess, coming, up, coming off the back of, of Judges and now zooming in on this story of this family, it starts off uh, in a really... Yeah, just a really sad situation. Mm. Um, if you're reading this passage and, and thinking about it with, with teenagers, Ruth, what, what are the things that you'd really want to get across to them? I think I'd want to help them to empathise with the characters and understand the mm. characters. So when you're saying it's a very sad situation, I find it very moving how Naomi is described. So, uh, you know, in verse 21, I went away full, uh, but the Lord has brought me back empty. And then she says, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. So this idea that uh, I think she's a bit of, in the end, a bit of a prodigal daughter. She and her family wandered away from the promised land and they turned away from God, trying to provide for their own needs in a famine. Mm. Um, and interesting things like the, her son's names are 
are not Israelite names. Mm. They're foreign names and they've married foreign women. So these are not faithful Israelites. Uh, yet Naomi, when she's brought to her absolute lowest, you know, her son-in-laws are dead, she has no children, completely destitute, a beggar, she realises her only chance is to go back to Israel as a prodigal um, and throw herself on, on the mercy, I guess, of God's people and of God. So she still has a strong... She's still trusting Yahweh, Yahweh in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so help them to understand Naomi's situation and then help them to sort of empathise with Ruth too. And I think Ruth is amazing, incredible, because you were saying before, she's by clinging onto and connecting herself with Naomi, uh, you said quite rightly, Tom, that this is a huge risk. Mm-hmm. And I agree, this is a huge risk. Because in that context, in, in that day, where security comes from uh, being married, because that's where money comes from, um, and blessing comes from having lots of children. So Ruth really should be going back to her family, her parents, and looking for another husband in her land. Like that, That's what makes sense. Mm. But instead, she goes for the really risky option, which is to make this promise to Naomi to stay with her and to cling on to her gods. And I've been thinking, is it because she's actually seen something in Naomi? She's sort of learned a little bit about the God of Israel, about Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And she actually, she's not just committing herself to Naomi, but she's also committing herself to Naomi's God. So there must be something attractive, I think, about this Yahweh that, that Ruth has encountered um, through the family she's married into, that's it's kind of worth the risk. Uh, if she goes to Israel, she is a foreigner, so she could be completely rejected, persecuted. Uh, she has no man to protect her. She could actually be assaulted quite easily. Um, she'll be a beggar. Really, what's in it for her to make this kind of with Naomi? Um, yeah, I, I think it is because she realises that this is the real God and that um, she wants to serve him. Yeah, and I think um, thinking about that context, um, firstly makes me think whether or not I would make a similar decision. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which uh, is starting to become a bit of a theme uh, as I look at all these different books. Um, but I think... The thing that really stands out to me with Ruth is she makes a decision for that is outside of herself, mm. at great risk to herself, and that is completely countercultural to what our youth are being told mm. by the world around them and the kind of movement of we need to do what makes us happy and what is right for us and makes us secure, and you can put that ahead of other people yeah. uh, in order to protect yourself. And so we have uh, an opportunity here to to show people that this woman has made this decision that is that they would look at and think was a good thing. They would look at it and think, wow, she's of outstanding character uh, and that that is an example for us as she chooses to stand by someone that she knows needs her, mm-hmm. even though it's a risk to her. And, and I think you're right. And, you know, it's likely that Naomi's spoken to her about her God during, during their time together and that she is making a decision to follow um, Naomi's God and... I think that's a really great opportunity to to impress that kind of loyalty in spite of circumstance Mm, uh, on our youth. And I guess I was talking a lot about 
Yahweh. But you're right, she also does love Naomi, doesn't she? Mm. And wants to not just look out for herself, but for Naomi's interests. And as the story goes on, it's true that Naomi's an old woman. And so if she has to look for food on her own, she really does need the help of Ruth. Um, or else, you know, she could, she could die. Yeah, it would have been a much harder, lonely journey back to uh, to Israel if she had been on her own. Um, yeah, and I think that's a really nice place to dwell on, um, partly because while the story around it is sad, this is a really great moment. Um, it's a beautiful moment. And that we can, uh, we can hold on to that and be what we're really trying to impress upon our youth. So I think that's a really great way. Uh, of it's beautiful poetry as well. Like the actual, yeah. the promises that she makes. Uh, yeah. The, uh, yeah, you, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. Uh, it, it just makes your heart sing. Yeah. Um, that kind of self-sacrificial love, that, that promises, those promises that she makes to Naomi. And I think they move, they move me. Yeah. And so I'm sure they'll move our teenagers as well with that image of, of self-sacrificial love. Yeah, and I guess those promises of, of almost oneness uh, in how they're going to go about things from that point onwards mm. is, is really, um, yeah, I guess will be really reassuring for Naomi uh, and is, yeah, a really, really wonderful moment uh, to close off uh, chapter one. So as we hit chapter two, we find ourselves, or we find uh, the two women have gone back to Bethlehem and they, um, yeah, kind of start, I guess, started setting up their lives and working out how they're going to go about uh, living and finding their security. And so Ruth says that she's going to go out and see if she can follow, uh, I guess, do the practice of gleaning where she'll go and follow some harvesters uh, and pick up the, the extras that are on the edge. Um, and by, I guess, God's providence, she goes to a field that does actually still do that. So in the, in the time of the judges, this was a, a law that was routinely ignored by people. Um, but she happens to go to, to a group of harvesters who are leaving a bit at the edge uh, and allowing the poor to come behind. Um, and, and then we find out that that's because this field belongs to a man uh, called Boaz, uh, who I guess, greets his men with a, with a godly greeting uh, and... So even as, as he kind of arrives, we know that this is meant to be a good guy mm. in the story. And so Baz is introduced as, as a man of, of God. And th then immediately when he engages with Ruth and finds out who she is, uh, and I guess already knows about uh, what she's done for Naomi, which uh, is, I guess, due to the fact that they're in a small town and people, people talk where Naomi and Ruth have rocked up again. Um, but he sees her kindness to... Naomi and he repays that uh, by providing her with protection. So he's you know, he's generous to her. He kind of goes above and beyond with some of the food that he gives her, uh, but also he kind of takes away the vulnerability that we we saw before in that she's not going to be harmed by those men. Um, whereas I guess if she'd gone somewhere else, she would have. And so by the end of chapter two, Naomi and Ruth have now been provided with a source of food and a source of protection from Boaz, uh, and then we find out that Boaz, uh, this is partly due to the fact that Boaz is actually related to uh, to Naomi, 
and therefore to Ruth as well, uh, and that there's this kind of other law that governs this situation of the guardian redeemer, where a, uh, if a husband died, then another relative would uh, redeem the family, either through, kind of through marriage and through paying of debts or buying things back. Um, but once again, uh, because of the, the time and context of, of the time of judges, this was a law that wasn't necessarily always going to be followed through. Uh, and so we see that it's uh, once again, Boaz is starting to kind of fulfill the requirements of the law. A really interesting section uh, as we go from like this really hard, sad section with we're worried, we're worried about Ruth in particular. And now we see Ruth is safe and secure, at least or at least getting a little bit of food and that she's going to be protected uh, as uh, a foreigner in the land. She's not going to be uh, taken advantage of by men and, and the harvesters that are there or, or another field that she's gone to. And so I guess as we think about what we would then turn to and, and speak about with our youth, you, you're saying before to me that you think uh, this is a really good moment to talk about God's providence. Yeah. <clears throat> I, th- I think at times, especially when you might be suffering, um, it can feel like God's a long, long way away. And so when Naomi says in the first chapter that she's bitter, God's hand has mm. gone against her, she's empty, I think she might feel like Yahweh has deserted her mm. uh, or, be, or even worse, deliberately punishing her. <laughs> Yet when she comes back to Israel and looks to him to provide for her needs um, and in fact like throws herself on on the Lord's mercy in some way. I think it's really, it's a fantastic uh, coincidence that the, the field that Ruth turns up to is one of, one of Naomi's relatives. Uh, it just seems like God's hand is there working for the good of Naomi and Ruth. And then, and then that the man too, it kind of acts like the Lord's representative. So uh, Boaz says, that he wants the God of Israel um, to richly reward them because they've come to him. And so it says, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Uh, so he's praising Ruth and Naomi for coming back to seek refuge with the Lord. But in, a, in effect, in God's providence, he uses Boaz. Mm. Boaz is the agent of God's goodness to Naomi and Ruth. So I think we can see, yeah, God's providence working out his plans for his people and caring for his people, um, being faithful to his people. Yeah, I guess coming off the back of Judges, we see a man in a position of power and we would immediately assume Mm. jerk. He's going to do something horrible uh, and he's going to behave in it. And he he just completely contrasts against all the guys in the last few chapters of, of Judges and immediately is he's faithful to God. And he shows his favor and care uh, to someone who he really could have just cast aside. I mean, she was a Moabite, so he could have just not. Yeah. He, like he just said, oh, I don't think the law applies to you and moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's, yeah, I guess showing us a character that we've been waiting for almost. Mm. Um, as, as that we reflects the character of the Lord. But I like what uh, you're saying. Yeah, when again and again in Judges Power, corrupts people doesn't it when they become leaders and they use the power they have to build themselves up and exploit the poor or you know exploit yeah and i mean that happens again and again in our own world uh that that misuse of power 
so I think this is a really important lesson in our context that we need to be teaching any of us who are going to have power in our relationships or at work, in our family, if we, uh, to use that leadership power uh, in a way that's for the other's good and to serve the other person, not just to serve ourselves and mm. make ourselves big. Yeah, and I, th- I think while this book is often used uh, as a primarily, I guess, a women's kind of uh, ministry, let's look at the character of Ruth and think about that. I, I think, and I guess we'll talk about this more through chapter three, uh, that this is a this book is a huge statement for men Yeah. Uh, and how they should be behaving, obviously in a different context, but still having that character uh, that, that shows godliness. Uh, I think this is a, yeah, a really cool chapter in chapter two. It kind of, if, if you've been reading through Judges and hit this point, I think it's a bit of a relief and maybe a bit refreshing for us. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think that'd be a really great place to spend with youth. Uh, and yeah, how about we have a look now at chapter three? And so we get to chapter three, which is kind of the next, the next part of this almost soap opera <laughs> that's going on at the moment. Um, where Naomi and Ruth kind of make this uh, plan of how how they're going to go about ensuring uh, Boaz uh, fulfills his guardian uh, redeemer or kingsman redeemer responsibilities. Uh, And Ruth, uh, so they plan that Ruth is going to kind of go and and essentially ask Boaz to marry her. Uh, And she goes about this in a very, uh, I guess, contextually cultural way where she goes and uncovers his feet and essentially, I guess, offers herself to him. Um, But then at at that moment, we once again see Boaz's strength of character. Uh, We see him bless Ruth and compliment Ruth uh, for her clear uh, love for Naomi that she's decided to go ahead and be, be party to this whole arrangement in spite of the fact that she could probably find a young, another younger guy mm-hmm. to hang out with. Um, but that Boaz then doesn't look upon her beauty and know that as a, as a Moabite he could take advantage of her in this situation. Instead we see him show remarkable integrity and uh, not, not only choose not to, to, to take her at that time uh, but also to be upfront about the fact that there's actually someone else who is a closer relative and so therefore has uh, first entitlements uh, mainly to all of the land that will come with it but but also to, to marry Ruth and that he wants to give that uh, opportunity to that person uh, but then to ensure uh, Ruth uh, is is cared for um, yeah, he, he gives her a bunch more grain so she can go back and, and that she's been provided for uh, by him. Um, but also in this moment, he chooses to protect her honor and he keeps this all a secret. So she's kind of gone to him in the night. She's uncovered her, her, his feet, which is a pretty raunchy thing to do. Uh, and he- Don't forget um, the perfume. Yeah, the perfume. <laughs> and, and he protects her honor in all of this. Uh, so really we see as the story develops that Naomi and Ruth have, have now uh, succeeded in prompting Boaz to, to go about uh, what needs to be done. But then we see in his response, uh, once again, his balance of uh, responsibility to the law, so his godliness, but also his compassion and kindness and love towards uh, Ruth uh, as, as someone who is worthy of, of his love and care. Uh, it's a really cool section as it 
develops and we see more great stuff about Boaz, uh, what are the things that kind of stick out to you that you'd really want to get across to youth kids at this time? I guess, uh, first of all, Boaz here is a representative of the Lord. So again, the, the point that the Lord cares for his people and here, you know, the end result is a heck of a lot of barley, like it says um, six measures. So, you know, her arms are overflowing with all this food. Mm. So they've gone from a place where they were destitute, they were in famine, they were going to die if they stayed there. Um, they've come to Yahweh and he's, you know, it's an overabundance of food. So it really is a story of God's redemption of them and through the men Boaz. Um, so you learn something about God from this passage and about his redemption. And of course, I don't know, it's a good conversation to have, Tom, about uh, when should you bring in the story of Jesus and his redemption in the story of Ruth, do you think? Would you leave it, would you do it this week or would you leave it for the last week? Or Yeah, I, th- I think this is a story where we often have to resist yes. the, that temptation. Like yeah. I would kind of, I'd be tempted in chapter one just to compare Jesus to Ruth okay. and her actions towards yeah. Naomi. Um, but but now we could compare Boaz and Jesus, couldn't we? Yeah, I think, I think it's a, ch- a challenge for us to see, um, particularly as Boaz starts to symbolize godly character and care for uh, God's people who have returned to him. Mm. Uh, I think, mm. yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a, there's a bunch in here where we could point out the character of Christ uh, as, as then exceeding Boaz and going the extra mile. Um, but also seeing that love and balance, the balance of compassion, um, where he shows compassion to his people and cares for them, mm-hmm. but isn't going to let people off the hook when it comes to the way in which they should be behaving. And I, th- I think that's a really good uh, draw across to Christ. Um, but yeah, I just think Boaz is such a good dude in this section. Um, he, he behaves in a way that I think most guys wouldn't, and it's a really good opportunity to challenge uh, our, our youth youth boys on, on how they behave yeah. and the way that much they think about things and um, yeah and that Boaz's character uh, is clearly a guy who uh, isn't I don't think he's not tempted by Ruth um, it's clear from the way in which he talks about the fact that she's come to him as an old man um, but that he is choosing to make sure things are done properly yes. uh, and is choosing doesn't to make sure he doesn't take advantage of her yeah he doesn't take he advantage of her in a very yeah. vulnerable situation where he, um, you know, he doesn't use the fact that he could dishonor her for this as a, uh, a ploy of, of getting what he wants. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on one side, we've kind of got this, this good character of Boaz that I think really does then reflect through into the character of Jesus. Mm. Um, I also really like the empowerment of, of Ruth in this section. Yeah. I think the way in which she responds to Naomi by saying that she's gonna do what she says, I don't think that's, uh, uh, she's bound to the whims of Naomi. I think she's making a, a choice uh, to follow. And that's backed up by Boaz's surprise uh, that Ruth is kind of choosing to do something that might not necessarily be in her uh, best uh, interests by mm. marrying and, and being with an, an older guy, um, but that she's, she's making this decision as she makes the decision to stay with Naomi uh, to continue through with that. And so I think this is a moment when she's empowered uh, and making decisions uh, about her own destiny in, in a really cool way mm, yeah they're not just passive are they they're fascinating especially especially Naomi like I I think they're really resourceful and courageous in working out this little scheme and putting it into practice 
Yeah, so I guess just before, as, as we start to think about and, and move through to the, to the final chapter, it's good to just be really clear on what we mean by the kind of kingsman-redeemer or guardian-redeemer relationship where a, a family member is almost required to provide that security and redeem women who have been left without their husbands uh, and that mm-hmm. Boaz is one of those people but that there is someone else who is closer uh, in relation to them and so he has that first entitlement to first buy the land uh, that, that Naomi's husband had and then also have the opportunity to marry Ruth. Um, yeah, I, I guess a situation that is once again in the time of, of judges where people didn't necessarily follow through with the things that God required of them, um, we see Boaz choose to stick by this law but not only stick by this law, he's kind of then once again following it very closely by uh, ensuring it's the laws followed through properly and this other person's given mm-hmm. that opportunity first, uh, which just speaks further to, to Boaz's character uh, as, a, as a guy who uh, seems to be after God's heart. So yeah, I think it's really helpful. Once again, just a, a good section to talk about uh, with youth kids. This, this is even a section where you could do a, a split night on with youth. Yeah, you could. Where at the same time, yeah. where, where you don't do different passages, you both look at this passage, mm. um, but have, I guess, the emphasis on the two different characters yeah. uh, and have, yeah, I guess the guys kind of hit hard with some character traits that they need to develop and some, some girls really encouraged uh, in the way in which Ruth acts here, particularly in her, I think she's, she's demonstrating a, a large amount of independence in the situation and I really dig that. Mm. And Boaz says her kindness again so this idea that she's not just thinking about her own interests she's again she's putting herself at great risk mm. um, she's very courageous in in the way she acts um, for the sake of Naomi um, so that that ongoing that covenant love that she's made to Naomi she sticks mm. to it as well so they're both just characters of such integrity Boaz and Ruth they, they're wonderful <laughs> So in chapter four, we have this kind of complex legal procedure carried out as the other relative uh, is given the opportunity to um, marry Ruth and, and redeem the land uh, from uh, Naomi's dead husband, uh, Elimelech. And he, he kind of, he's real keen on the land because it's, it's a good deal. Um, but then because he kind of already has a family of his own, uh, marrying Ruth is actually a difficult thing for him. Uh, if he marries Ruth and maintains uh, the family of Elimelech, then this kind of puts his own uh, family's inheritance at risk as uh, any children he has then become Elimelech's children. They're kind of entitled to things. Uh, and so it's quite complex. And so he essentially ends up rejecting what's going on. And so one, and then once he's rejected uh, the opportunity to redeem Ruth. Boaz then, at the right time, steps in, redeems Naomi's property, and marries Ruth. Uh, that he, he fulfills uh, that requirement, but fulfills it in the right way. And we see this just awesome moment uh, of redemption, really. I think for a character like Naomi, who we've really pitied throughout this time, we see uh, a really great moment where she's, she's essentially just restored to the position that she was in. Mm-hmm. She's kind of gone from... Uh, wife of someone who owns land and is going okay to uh, a beggar and now she's back to, mm. to her situation and uh, maybe she needs to change her name again um, because things are going pretty well for her now. Well, um, even better because uh, 
It says in verse 15 that, she, that Ruth is better to her than seven sons. So in the past, Naomi had sons, uh, but the, the women are saying that the blessing that she's received through Ruth is far greater than, than seven sons, which in that culture is amazing because the greatest blessing is your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Yeah, and so for her to not have, and particularly male heirs, yeah. and so for, for her to take her uh, daughter-in-law and, and have her as that person that's so close, I think it just, oh, it just speaks to the fact that Ruth is the real hero in, in what's been going on, but particularly for Naomi and, and the fact that she stood by her has essentially been what's led to all of this, mm-hmm. this happening and that, that promise to care for her from the beginning. Uh, and then once, and then Ruth then has a son and that son then kind of completes the cycle and that Naomi once again has uh, a son who kind of through the complex law is, is, is hers and so um, things have been completely restored and that redemption for Naomi has been brought about by Ruth uh, which has been brought about through Boaz uh, and then we have this, this ending as we kind of see uh, one of the main purposes of the book come in that we see that Ruth's son is actually David's uh, grandfather uh, and so the family line of, of David is uh, clearly legitimate uh, because of the, the connection to Naomi. Uh, and that, um, yeah, and that we see that this works through and that the, the, all the way through down to, down to David. Uh, it's an interesting way for the book to end. Uh, it kind of seems a little bit strange that it kind of just gets all caught up in this legal stuff and then that's mm. what's really great about it. But it is, it is really great. Um, but an interesting part to think about now as we, as we think about ending a series on this book uh, and what, what things we're going to zone in on and really really jump on as, as we talk to youth about it. What, 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 what are some of those things you think? I would talk about the way that God fulfills his promises. And so going back to the book of Judges again, which is where we started when we talked about this, uh, in the book of Judges, it seems as if God's promises to Abraham, which are for a land and for many descendants, they're kind of, God's fulfilling his promises, but they're kind of under threat because of the unfaithfulness of the people. And they're intermarrying with foreigners and they're, they're allowing others to settle in their land. And I, I think there's a lot of instability by the end of the book of Judges. But here in the midst of that, this little story again, we can see that God is, his promises to Abraham to establish a land for Israel and many descendants, um, that God's people will be in God's place, worshipping his name. Uh, he's fulfilling that through this little family who are, as you said before, the, the faithfulness of Boaz and Ruth are rewarded and uh, we see all these descendants that are coming mm. in the future, including the most important of all, which is the King David. Uh, again, in the book of Judges, it, it finishes on a, a kind of, there's a refrain throughout Judges that there's no king and everyone did as he saw fit. Mm. But now the king is coming uh, who will really fulfill these promises to Abraham. Yeah, and that as we then extend that, that line then further down from David, we, have, we eventually get to Jesus. And we see that, that Ruth's uh, actions here um, actually res- resulted that she is a, a direct ancestor of Jesus. And I, and I think, uh, as I think about it, I'm really tempted 
and I think it's really valid that we then go to talking about how Boaz in this situation is really reflective of, of Christ, and we'll talk. Mm. We will talk about that. But I think as well, I want to see how Ruth's character and the way in which she's dealt with Naomi, the way in which she's been sacrificial, but has made intentional decisions to do that, has really has reflected that character of mm. of, of what we would expect from from Christ in yeah. the way in which she so deals with people. So she's a bit of people. a Christ figure too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think. I think that's really cool. Um, but then through the redemption that we see come come through Boaz, uh, we can, yeah, I guess when I think about the way in which Jesus has, has redeemed us, uh, that we are uh, lost uh, because, of, because of sin and that we need to be redeemed. We need to be uh, purchased back because of the debt that we have mm. uh, and, that, and that Christ ultimately does that for us. Uh, and that goes... Yeah, all the way back uh, in his bloodline to to this book where we're seeing the promises that have been made to Abraham continue, that the land, uh, as we see Ruth, uh, we see Naomi's land restored and Ruth redeemed. Um, yeah, I think it's just nice to see such a good news story yeah. in this section of, of the yeah, Bible. It's a good news story. Uh, and to see the way in which, you know, behind the scenes of the whole time in Judges, we still have uh, God going about his purposes for his people uh, even if it's through a humble little family yeah. like this um, yeah. I think I would also say about the redemption that it comes at a cost mm. so you know that was a cost that the other man didn't want to pay because it puts his his inheritance at risk but Boaz is willing to pay that price so I mean there's the actual price for the land that he has to has to pay and then there's the actual threat to his descendants um, but Boaz pays that price in the same way that Jesus pays a price to redeem us as well. So the price that Jesus pays is his very blood. Um, and, yeah, the New Testament often talks about Jesus redeeming us, like buying us back out of uh, an empty way of life or from our sin. Uh, yeah, paying the price that he mm. might buy us back to be his own. So... I think there's a wonderful way that you can preach the gospel through this last chapter in particular uh, and just talk about the, the perhaps the price that Jesus paid for our redemption and the wonderful hope that we have uh, because of what Jesus has done. So I think as we, as we come to an end, I just once again just consider how much I appreciate this book uh, for the characters and the really clever uh, little narrative as it follows through, largely because they're just characters that we can really really relate to or, or be challenged by. You know, they're ordinary people living out their lives um, but choosing to be faithful in difficult situations, and that really challenges me. I really enjoy uh, the... F- the character of Boaz because of the challenge he poses to my life, but also uh, I really, I really enjoy Ruth, and I just feel like I have so much to learn from her in in the ways of of selfishness and uh, selflessness, uh, and I really, yeah, really, really value the way in which the story comes together at the end, and it's a book that gives me a lot of confidence as well in in God and the way in which He works through things. Uh, but I thought it'd be good to let you have the last word, Ruth. Oh, thank you. If I could sum up Ruth, I think the, the, the main message that I get from it 
is that despite human sin and failure that we saw in Naomi at the beginning and them uh, trying to fix their problems on their own, uh, God works to redeem his people and often he does it in really surprising ways. This has been a presentation from Old News Bible. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that at oldnewsbible at gmail.com. All quotes from the Bible were taken from the New International Version 2011 and the music is Amber by Drake Stafford.